You're listening to Public Domain Players. That was, unfortunately, the last we shall hear from Jonathan Harker for the time being. In order to properly continue our story, we must now turn to the letters and diary entries of Ms. Mina Murray, the fiancé of the young Jonathan Harker. The 24th of July. A letter to Miss Lucy Westenra. It begins, My dearest Dearest Lucy, Forgive my long delay in writing you. I have been simply overwhelmed with work. The life of a schoolmistress is often trying, and I have been working very hard in my free time practising my shorthand, so I may be a help to Jonathan once we're married. I am longing to be with you, though. Ever since Jonathan's departure for Transylvania in May, I have grown ever so lonesome. Thankfully, I shall be arriving in Whitby by train early Monday morning, Oh, how I'm looking forward to spending my days with you by the sea, where we can talk together freely and build our castles in the air just as we had when we were girls. Till then, your loving Mina. Mina, do keep your head up. I still need to finish your eyes. I can't help it. The wind keeps blowing in my face. How much longer do I have to stay like this? Just a few more minutes. I told you not to choose such a complicated pose. Well, I don't see why we had to choose some place so high up. The wind isn't nearly as bad down on the beach. Yes, but the view isn't nearly as impressive. I love to sketch people here on the cliffs. It lends a far more interesting background. It's an odd setting for a portrait. An abandoned churchyard at the top of a cliff. Well, I'm sure those below us don't mind. At any rate, they've posed far less objections than you have since we started. There. Finished. At last. Really, Mina. You are a horrid model. It's the working woman in me. I don't like being idle for such long periods of time. Let alone in something with this many ruffles and frills. I don't know why you couldn't have just drawn me in one of my own dresses. This is for Jonathan. You asked me to sketch something new for him, so I have chosen to create for him a new Mina. I'm sure Jonathan loves me just as I am. I don't see any need for reinvention. Men are like children, Mina. We have to constantly surprise them in order to keep their very sporadic attention. How can you say such a thing? It's positively primeval. Luring men is not the only purpose a woman is good for. Easy for you to say. You have skills you can use to provide for yourself. I don't. Unless I marry well, as Mother hopes, then that's the end of me. That's not true. You have your drawings and your paintings. Oh yes, the lucrative career of the artist. I'm sure Mother would be thrilled. 
all the same, I'm not sure making a living as a painter would be as insufferable as... I'm sorry, Mina. I'm being selfish. Selfish? For carrying on about myself. All the while, he must be worried sick for Jonathan. Have you heard anything from him? Nothing for a month now. It's strange, too, the letters he sent. They're so unlike himself. Listen. June 29th. Dear Mina, I have left the castle and arrived in Pitstritz. I shall see you soon, Jonathan. Oh, Mina! If only I'd known! No, please don't apologise. Come, tell me about yourself. Anything. At present, I could use a distraction. Well, there was something I've been meaning to tell you ever since you arrived, but I, I don't want to risk upsetting you again. There's nothing to worry about. See? I am quite composed. Now, tell me, what is this news? I've received a proposal. What? Lucy, that's wonderful. Who is he? That's the trouble. It's not one man, it's three. Mother had them all come over last week, and they all proposed to me at once. What did you do? It was so overwhelming. I didn't know how to answer. I told them all I needed to give the matter some thought. They agreed, but Mother is insistent that I make my choice before the week is out. The worst part is they're all friends with one another, so no matter who I choose, I know I'm going to become a resentment amongst them. Oh, Mina, it's dreadful. It makes me almost wish I could marry them all to save myself the trouble. Gentlemen, please. This is not a good idea. Oh, come along, Arthur. Unless you, you have any better be ideas, I suggest you get the hell oh, out of my God. way. What is it? That's them now. Coming up the steps of the cliff towards us. Lucy, there you are. I must speak uh, with you. Not before me, you aren't. I'm sorry, Miss Lucy, but I gotta talk with you immediately. Quincy, please. You're speaking in front of a lady. Would you expect anything less from such an unrefined brute? Oh, I have just about had my fill of your British niceties. I swear, Jack, you take one step further <clears> now. <throat> Forgive me, miss. I didn't see you there. Good day, gentlemen. Lucy, would you care to introduce me to your friends? Of course. Gentlemen, this is my dearest friend, Mina Murray. Mina, this is Dr. Jack Seward, Quincy Morris, and Arthur Homewood. Charmed, I assure you. Forgive me. I think I shall go back down to the house and change into something more comfortable. Lucy, dear, will you be all right on your own? Yes, I believe so. Good. Gentlemen, I shall return shortly, but before I depart, allow me to say this. Lucy is a friend more dear to me than I can even begin to say, so I can understand your infatuation with her. However... The rather sordid display that I have just witnessed has left me less than impressed. I shall choose to forget it, as I know how highly Lucy regards each of you. But I shall warn you, I am a schoolmistress by trade, and if I don't hear a report from Miss Westenra that your behaviour has improved in my absence... Let me just say, I know how to deal with unruly schoolboys. Good day, gentlemen. Now... How do I owe the pleasure of this abrupt visit? Lucy, uh, please, allow me to explain. No, Miss Lucy, please allow me. Gentlemen, we are not going to get very far if you continue to behave like this. Now, Jack, you first. 
Thank you, Lucy. The reason we're all here today is, well, to make a long story short... We want an answer. Mr. Morris. Forgive my lack of tact, Miss Lucy, but it's the truth. Now, I don't know how you Brits handle these kind of affairs over here, but back in Texas, when a man asks a woman to marry him, he expects an answer. I understand that we've put a great deal of pressure on you, having all asked at once and all, but we must have an answer. Choose me, and you will never know want. I promise to take care of you for the rest of my life. The same way you do your mental patients? What kind of life do you think that is for a young girl? The wife of an asylum doctor. And what, may I ask, can you offer her that I can't? Well, darling Lucy, I can't say I can provide you with much money-wise, but if you choose me, I will make sure to value you and to protect you like the treasure you are. And how do you plan to do that? Brand her and stable her like one of your horses? Now that is quite enough for both of you. What about you, Arthur? Is there anything you would like to say to me? Lucy... You and I have known each other almost all our lives. You know of my station, and the modest sum I am to inherit from my father when I take his title. You also know that I am unfortunately of a quiet disposition, and only desire to live a quiet life. I can offer you neither adventure nor riches. However, if you do choose me, I promise to love you as best as I am able. Very well. Gentlemen, you have come here today in search of an answer, and I think I am now happily able to give you one. After our quite enlightening conversation, I now have a question of my own to ask. Arthur Homewood, would you do me the honor and become my husband? If you will have me? Yes! Absolutely yes! Hmm. Miss Lucy, I'm afraid I've made rather a fool of myself this afternoon. Can you forgive me? Of course, Mr. Morris. I feel you both have learned your lesson today. But please know, and I do mean this in earnest, that despite what has occurred, you shall always have a friend in me. Of course. Come, Quince. Let us give them their privacy. Oh, Lucy... You have no idea how happy you make me. I'm glad. But poor Jack, he looked especially disappointed. He'll come around in his own time. He'd be a fool to lose your friendship over such petty things. I hope so. Do you truly love me? Of course. Then promise me this. Promise me you'll let me take my time with this? I just... I just don't want to rush into getting married right away, and... I promised I'd love you as best as I am able. And I promise to continue doing so for as long as you need. Oh, thank you, Arthur. Ooh, storm's coming in. We best get inside before the rain starts. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Dracula. My name is James Wipert. I am the creator and executive producer of Public Domain Players. 
Normally at this point in the podcast, you would be hearing advertisements, but we don't have any of those. We are completely independent and self-funded. So if you'd like to support us, that would go a very long way, no matter what you do. You can do that in a number of different ways. You can give a good review wherever you may be listening to the show, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere. You can also share the show with your friends and family by sending them a link, telling them to listen, or just sharing on social media. Use the hashtag PDPDracula. That goes a really long way to visibility and getting the show out there in front of more people, and that means the world to me and everybody else who helps make this podcast. If you'd like to support us monetarily, you can also do that by heading to patreon.com slash publicdomainplayers. Starts at $1 a month, and just any support like that goes an incredibly long way in helping us keep on making the show. Takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and uh, any support that you can show in any way, shape, or form, it truly means the world to me, and I know it does to everybody else who is involved with this too. All right, well, that is it for now. I don't want to take up too much time, and more importantly, we have to get back to the story. So I will see you at the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Cutting from the Daily Graph, 8th of August. The day was unusually fine till night had fallen, when suddenly the waves rose in growing fury. Roaring wind came crashing down on the shore, turning what has always been a quiet harbor into a frenzied tempest. Suddenly one of the dock workers noticed a ship on the horizon with full sails drawn, bobbing up and down at the mercy of the waves. Some were afraid she'd crash into the cliffs. But by some miraculous fortune, the ship glided clean into the harbor before running aground on the shore. The ship, now identified as the Russian schooner Demeter, was a veritable ghost ship. Not a single man could be found aboard, save as a captain was found dead and lashed to the wheel, clutching a crucifix in his hand. Other witnesses reported a great black dog bounding from the ship as it washed ashore, but no other evidence of the creature has been found. Stranger yet, the only cargo aboard the ship were fifty crates of what appeared to be common earth. storm. My God. Lucy, did you hear that? Lucy? Lucy? Lucy, where are you? The door leading to the garden. 
Oh no, she can't have gone out into the storm. Lucy! Lucy! Lucy, where are you? From the diary of Mina Harker. What a horrid night has passed. To my great horror, I saw that the gate leading out of the garden had been opened. Her mother had warned me of Lucy's habit of walking in her sleep, but I never imagined she'd be able to leave the safety of the house. Lucy! Dear God, please don't let her have gone out onto the cliffs. Lucy! Lucy! Lucy, where are you? Lucy! Please answer me! Lucy! I dashed as quickly as I could up to the stairs of the old churchyard, the wind and rain whipping violently all the while. Breathlessly, I reached the top, and just as I had hoped, there sat Lucy upon our bench, still dressed in her nightgown. However, she was not alone. Arched over her was a long, dark figure, cloaked all in black. Lucy? Shoo! Shoo! Lucy! Lucy, dear, wake up! Wake up! Mina? What's happened? Where am I? It's all right, dear. You are only walking in your sleep. Here, let me pin my shawl around you. God, you're soaked to the bone. Come, let's get you back to bed before you catch your death. Ow! Ow! What's wrong? My neck. Something feels horribly wrong with my neck. It hurts. Oh dear, I'm sorry, it's all my fault. I must have pricked you with the pin. Come along, dear. Let's get you home before anyone notices we're gone. From the phonograph diary of Dr. Jack Seward. 31st of August, 1890. Ebb tide and appetite today. Cannot eat cannot rest. Since my rebuff a few weeks ago, I have a sort of empty feeling growing inside me. Nothing in the world seems of sufficient importance. The only cure for this is work, so I went down amongst the patients, and I picked out one who has afforded me a study of much interest. R. M. Renfield, age 59. A curious breed of lunatic. His condition is so singular in my mind that I, I feel the need to coin a new classification for it. Zoophagus. Life-eater. Morning, Doctor. I'm glad you're here. I came as soon as I could. What's happened? It's your zoophagy friend. He's been pitching a fit all night. I had to give him a sedative to keep him from exciting the other patients. Is he awake? I'd like to observe him for a while. Should be, but don't count on getting much sense out of him. Come here, darling. Come on, I've got a lovely piece of sugar for you. That's it. Just a little closer now. Ah, damn. Good morning, Mr. Renfield. How are we today? Dr. Seward, what an unexpected surprise. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. Not at all. On the contrary, you could not have picked a more opportune time. I was just about to sit down for breakfast. Would you like to join me? Of course. 
What are they serving you today? Oh no, Doctor, this is something I have taken great pains to prepare for myself. Indeed. And what have you prepared? A modest assortment of spiders. Mm. Hmm. Oh, would you care for some? Uh, no, thank you. I thought you preferred flies, Mr. Renfield. I did once, but they are such small creatures. Such tiny little lives. I need much larger lives to feed on, Doctor. Therefore, rather than eating the flies I collect, I now use them as bait for the spiders. And once I'm able to get some nice plump spiders, I plan to use them to bait the sparrows that sometimes perch on my window. Progressively getting bigger and bigger lives. Mr. Renfield, I'm afraid I must protest. This is not helpful for your recovery. Recovery? Oh, <laughs> but of course I forgot. You and the rest of your staff are under the delusion that I am mad. But you shall all see, now that he has come. The master has come. The master is at hand. Um, pardon me, Dr. Seaward, but there's a lady here to see you. I've asked her to wait outside. Oh, please, Doctor, may I meet the lady? I never have any visitors, and I'd love to meet a pretty lady. I don't think it would be advisable. I'd be too worried for the lady's delicate constitution. That won't be necessary, Dr. Seward. My constitution is far stronger than most men give me credit for. Miss Murray, pleasure to see you again. Are you sure this is wise? I shall be the judge of that. Now, won't you introduce me? Mr. Renfield... This is Miss Mina Murray. I advise you to be on your best behaviour. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Bonjour, monsieur Renfield. Heureux de faire votre connaissance. Ah, as pretty as she is learned. It is nice to have such esteemed company. Don't you agree, doctor? You are very kind, Mr. Renfield. Dr. Seward, may I have a word with you? Of course. Wouldn't you prefer to speak somewhere a bit more private? I'm afraid I haven't the time. I have urgent business of my own, and I hope to keep our conversation as brief as possible. Very well. What can I do for you? It's Lucy. She's grown dreadfully ill, and I'm worried the condition may be serious. She's been seen by over seven physicians in the span of two weeks, but none of them have been able to make out the cause of her illness. I see. Well, as much as I wish I could help, I'm afraid I have work of my own that I need to tend to. I'm sure Arthur can think of another doctor in Whitby besides me to call on. Mr. Holmwood has had to leave for London. His father has also taken gravely ill, and is, to my understanding, now on his deathbed. Well, you've proven yourself to be a very intelligent woman. Perhaps you can make your own inquiries on behalf of Miss Westenra. I'm afraid that cannot be done either. I have just received a letter from Budapest... My husband was doing business in Transylvania and has come down with a violent brain fever. He's currently in a convent hospital, and I am now on my way to the train station so I may be with him. Dr. Seward, I understand you are hurt, but Lucy needs you, now more than ever. Can I urge you to momentarily put aside your own feelings and help a friend in need? Forgive me, Miss Murray. I'm afraid I've been a very poor sport in this whole affair. I shall make a point to stop by the house tonight and examine her. Thank you, Dr. Seward. Goodbye, Mr. Renfield. It was a pleasure meeting you. Goodbye, dear lady. 
I hope I may never see your face here again. Hello again, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this, the third episode of Dracula. The story is really beginning to ramp up now, and we hope you are enjoying it as much as we enjoyed making it. You can find Public Domain Players on Twitter at Public Players and on Instagram at Public Domain Players. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to share that with the hashtag PDPDracula on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it may be. Um, that goes a very long way to giving visibility to the show and getting it in front of the eyes and ears of more people. And that is all I could possibly ask of you other than I hope that you're enjoying it. This episode was written by William Muir and directed by myself, James Wipert. The cast appeared in the following order. Robert Fleet as Von Helsing, Anna May as Mina Murray, Kira McFarland as Lucy Westenra, Larry Oblander as Arthur Holmwood, Chris Dunlap as Quincy Morris, Andrew Biss as Jack Seward, Stuart Parks as Dracula, Francis Brody Aldridge as the nurse, James Wipert as Renfield. You can find social media links and websites and all sorts of things for all of the cast in the show notes of the episode. And you should definitely check them out. Go support everybody involved in making this. They are an extremely talented bunch of people. The Public Domain Players logo, as well as the Dracula artwork, were created by Bad Otter Design. You can find them on Instagram at bad.otter, and you should go check them out and hire them for all of your graphic design needs. They have made all of the Public Domain Players' artwork, and all of it is beautiful. And one last time, if you would like, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash publicdomainplayers. Starting at just $1 a month, you can get early access to episodes, you get script downloads, you get early casting announcements and show announcements, just all sorts of fun things and behind-the-scenes looks. Any support goes an incredibly long way. I know I've said that already, but it truly, truly does. And I cannot express how much I appreciate anybody who is supporting us in any way that you possibly can. Thank you very much. It really does mean the world to me. That is it for this episode of Dracula. We will see you again in two weeks with episode four. Until then, make sure you're sharing the show with that hashtag PDP Dracula, and we will see you then. Thanks. Thanks.